0: Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
1: Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support,
2: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates' national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Just, why are they just talking?
0: We're talking about football. Do you like it?
2: thanks mm. It's so dumb. <laughs> Common reaction from children, adults, grandparents, people of all ages. PFT Live. That's Bruce Kraskowski's son, Lincoln. Bruce tweeted that at us over the weekend. So Good. Lincoln gets onto the show now. Lincoln, is that so dumb? Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. Tell right. me, Lincoln, is uh, that so dumb? Seriously, when they show that, that you Lincoln got onto that, the show. Yeah. Yeah. Lincoln might have a different, you know, perspective today after watching the. Uh, seeing that. I like those guys. Those guys are smart. They're not dumb. They know talent when they see it. They know a handsome guy when they see it. Look, they put me on camera, dad. He's definitely a lot more handsome than his dad. I know that. I mean, Bruce, great teammate, great friend, awesome guy. Uh, damn. He's just not that cute. Not like that kid. He must've he's definitely one of those that got it from his mother for sure. They're just talking (laughs) is
2: what Lincoln had to say. That was his critique. They're just talking. I don't know what else we could do. Now, if Lincoln watches long enough, he'll realize that there's also some swearing, sometimes some singing. So don't give up on us, Lincoln. Come on, man. Grow up with football. This is the way you get plugged in to understand the game that you may be playing someday. Like you said, Uncle Uncle Christopher
0: could teach you a few uh, words maybe you didn't learn either. Uh, you know, you got to grow up uh, sometime, uh, kid. (laughs) Yes,
2: and, and the... The maturation process will be accelerated and then some if he hangs around Uncle Christopher for very long in more ways than one. So here we are. It's Thursday. We've had the long weekend it's, behind us. You had Tuesday. the extra long. It's
0: Tuesday. Weekend. Okay.
2: It's Thursday. It's Tuesday. I'm so excited that football is coming. It is Tuesday. Yes. We still don't, don't interrupt my broader point. We've had the long weekend behind us, and there's something about this because this is new. Wiping out that fourth preseason game is like a hard reset. There's been no football for two weeks. No. By the time we get to Thursday night. So there's a longing. There's a yearning. There's a chasm there. Yes. That needs to be filled starting Thursday night and then into Sunday. So I find myself more
0: excited about the imminent arrival of the regular season now than I've been in a long time. I agree. I also think just the fact, yeah, it's that week off where we just, yeah, we're yearning for it. We want it so badly. Here we are. And I think, you know, honestly, with no preseason last year, no fans, it became a little addictive. And what we saw in the preseason, I think we saw, you know, a lot of teams play a lot of their players to where, yeah, it got us excited to see what these teams are about. I know we didn't see the Rams and some of the other teams that didn't play starters, but for you know for the for the better part of the league, you know we got something to see and, and be excited about. And I just think that wet our beak for this this weekend. I cannot wait. I mean, college football was cool this weekend, but I'm all about the NFL, and uh, I can't wait for Thursday night. And I think the fact that so many of the teams
2: played their starters. For some period yeah, of time. Right. And we got glimpses. I think that creates an even greater anticipation Greed. for what's Aaron Rodgers gonna look like? We didn't see him. Yeah. What are the Rams gonna look like with Matthew Stafford. Stafford? Yeah. We didn't see him. So the anticipation's even greater because that preseason was so compressed and so much more intense. And especially that last preseason game was so confusing where teams were all over the place. Some teams have their starters in bubble wrap, other teams were using their starters extensively, and now that's all wiped out. It's all starters all the time starting. Thursday night with the Cowboys at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So let's start there, shall we? Some news came out of Dallas on Sunday. Unexpected news after that three-day break that players got and were allowed to leave and then come back. There were some, but not nearly as many as there could have been, positive COVID tests for players who were otherwise vaccinated. Here is Mike McCarthy and Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott talking about the sudden loss of to the COVID nineteen reserve list of Pro Bowl guard Zach Martin.
1: Is there a chance he could
0: play? Um, I, I would say he's as close to being out as you probably possibly roll out. You know, but you know, I mean, there's a protocol, so we'll follow the protocol up to the game, and anything changes, we'll.
1: So he
0: will make the trip y'all. Well, he has to, you know, he have to. He has to test negative twice. So I mean, that's that's to me the last threshold you gotta get over. I mean, yeah, Zach's the uh, best player in the offense. Um, most runs, they're they coming back behind him. Even last year, you know, we were battling some injuries. He moved him to right tackle. And, I mean, he still, uh, you know, excelled at, at right tackle. So, I mean, his talent is, uh, you can't speak about him enough. But, uh, you know, we just got to rely on. Um, I'm not sure who's playing for him. Uh, Connor? Little Connor. Uh, so. <laughs>
2: Let me start there and work backward. Do you agree with Ezekiel Elliott's assessment that Zach Martin is the best player on the Cowboys' offense? Uh,
0: well, I mean, to me, it's 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 him or Dak Dak Prescott, right? I think if it was a healthy Dak Prescott, it, it's really close. I mean, Zach Martin is certainly one of the two or three best offensive linemen in all of football, right? So it's where you value that position. Uh, But I think if a healthy Dak Prescott, I think they're neck and neck. But uh, I don't think it's a crazy comment for Ezekiel Elliott to make that. No, not at all. And
2: his presence helps Ezekiel Elliott be a lot better than he otherwise would because you have to have a good wall of blockers. And Elliott talked about how so many of the plays, Elliott is running right behind Zach Martin. So if he's not there, that's a problem. Now, I know there are a lot of people out there that don't want to talk about, don't want to think about, don't want to hear about the COVID situation, you're being naive if you don't recognize it's a factor. Already it's a factor. One of the best offensive linemen in football there you go. is most likely going to miss the first game of the season because of this year's protocols. And this lack of transparency, it's so goofy because, for example, the Cowboys won't come out and tell us who is and isn't vaccinated. So what you have to do is is try to discern the situation from the facts that they will disclose. Yeah. When we find out on Sunday that Zach Martin tested positive, two possibilities, out for at least 10 days if he's not vaccinated or out until he can generate, 24 hours apart, a pair of negative tests. So they didn't tell us he's vaccinated, but what McCarthy said yesterday makes it clear that he is because he can be back. He can be back by Thursday night. Now, when it first broke on Sunday, McCarthy said he's out, which made me think, well, maybe he's not vaccinated because you can get back by Thursday if you are. Yesterday, McCarthy acknowledged there's a chance he gets back. There's a chance he generates the two positive tests and otherwise has no symptoms or the two negative tests. Excuse me. Slight difference there. And otherwise has no symptoms and could play on Thursday night. It's It's slim,
0: but it's not none. Yeah, I I know. I'm like, what are, what are the percentages of somebody coming back five days after, after vaccinated? I know. I, okay. I just wanted to throw that out there. I have no idea. Yeah, no idea. I know. It's something we're probably going to learn about as we go on here. But I mean, of course, this is a big deal. What? Of course, this is a big deal. I mean, this is, it is like Ezekiel Elliott. He, he said it right. I mean, yeah. Best player on our offense, especially right now with Dax injury maybe most important player or certainly up there on the whole football team for this matchup the De- i mean the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Vita Vea and Sue and that defensive line and you got a Dak Prescott who's Not going to be 100%. I don't care what anybody says. He's not going to be 100% Dak Prescott, I can run, move, read option, keep the ball, and do those type of things, type of football player. Protection for him is paramount in a first game back when you didn't play preseason football or anything like that. So that's, I mean, when you just look at it from that aspect alone, you go, wait, Cowboys are undermanned in this football game. None of us are expecting them to win the game. In fact, I think you and me are almost like, I just hope they keep it close or it's fun to watch. That's where I'm a little bit at. And they'll look at the game. I go, wait, there's two ways maybe they could have upset this game. And they both are, they lead back to Zach Martin, the offensive line. One, can Dak Prescott just be on fire and just carry the team with his right arm and Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb and bing, bong, boom, boom, and we're going down the field on the Bucks. Can they do that? I don't know. I'm going to say the chances are, like, less than normal just because Dak hasn't played in so long. I have a hard time thinking they're going to hit the ground running right in the Super Bowl. I mean, against the Super Bowl champs and opening night. And then the other way, I look at it, Mike, you know, and you tell me if I'm crazy or this, but or they're going to have to, like, play a different style of football, run the football, Zeke Elliott, kill the clock a little bit. Keep the ball out of Tommy and Mike Evans and Gronkowski's hands. And damn, both of those go back to Zach Martin, him being you know a key factor in that. So that's where it stinks for Dallas to have to deal with this injury. A couple of examples that we can at least point to, not yeah. necessarily learn
2: anything from as it relates to whether or not Martin has a chance to come back. And Dominick Sue, one of the 100% vaccinated Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Ryan Tannehill, who said – the only reason he got vaccinated because of the protocols. Yeah. They both were on the COVID-19 reserve list for nine days yeah. after testing positive. So I don't know that five days is realistic. I just think that this is one of the carrots dangled by the league when they came up with the two sets of protocols for vaccinated and unvaccinated. Unvaccinated are at least 10 days. Right. Vaccinated, well, you know, if you can generate a pair of negative tests at least 24 hours apart, you can come back, so go get vaccinated. So in practice, I don't know what that is going to mean, right. and we're going to find out. And nine days so far, we can point to two high-profile players and say you're only saving a day if you're vaccinated. And and I, that's probably why the Cowboys' initial reaction when they found out that Martin yeah, tested knew. positive Saturday, there's no way he's going to be ready to go five days later. It's just not going to happen. So I think we assume he's not going to play – and if he if he somehow does, good news for the Cowboys. But as you said, they even have a very, very tough time with Zach Martin if he's somehow able to play. Right. It gets much more difficult. What, what they had to have been thrilled to find out that they were in the first game of the season. It's a big spot. And you got to go to Tampa at some point anyway this year. But yeah, you'd probably like to go at a time when your quarterback is closer to being full strength that was long before he had the shoulder injury that knocked him out for weeks of the training camp and preseason cycle and there's a lot of questions with the Cowboys with him Martin not available this is the worst possible week for the Cowboys to have to go to Tampa Bay the night they hang the banner they have everybody back Tom Brady's healthy he doesn't have a sleeve on his knee for the first time in 13 years he he was talking this weekend about how he's more mobile than he's been in a long time and he yeah. admitted not it's not like a Mike Vick all of a sudden, but you you take that out of the equation, you can move a little bit better. You know, he's supposed to be getting older and slowing down, maybe he's gonna flip that around and and if he's gonna be at his healthiest, it's gonna be week one. So yeah. this is a bad spot for the Cowboys. I mean, it's still a great game to to watch and it should be fun. But yeah, I'm with you. I don't
0: want it to be thirty-eight to ten. No, no. I mean, we the Cowboys are probably gonna need a few breaks, you know, so you know, a, a few instances of that. The ball bouncing their their way. I mean, yes, they're certainly undermanned, let alone like Dan Quinn. Let's not forget, yes, it's gonna be a great advantage for the Cowboys having this, you know, new defensive coordinator, I think they'll be better. But let's not forget he's from Atlanta too. It's not like he's going to be catching Tom Brady and Bruce Arians off guard. They've they've saw it, this defense last year. You know, Arians saw it twice the year before. You know, Tom Brady beat it in the Super Bowl. He studied two weeks against this defense before. Let alone he played the Legion of Boom who also ran this defense when Dan Quinn was there. So there's great knowledge of it there. There's everything points towards advantage Tampa, let alone like what you talk about, the way Brady's throwing the football. And then you read comments like over the weekend from Mike Evans where he goes, and and it looks like this to our eye from what we saw in the last preseason game, the offense is light years ahead of where it was last year. You know, when you add all of that up, wait, kept the Super Bowl team together, opening night against a team that's, you know, was way less than before last year. They were underwhelming. Quarterback hasn't played yet. We'll see how he's feeling. And, you know, he's going to be questioning himself together all altogether. And then a Buccaneers defensive line that you know, was was rabid towards the end of the year last year, they're going to be foaming at the mouth in the environment you just talked about. So, yes, it does not look good for the Cowboys, especially with the Zach Martin out. Definitely not. We've touched on this
2: last week, but now that you throw in the Zach Martin wrinkle and now that we get closer and closer to kickoff, I really do think the Cowboys just have to throw caution to the wind and the kitchen sink at Brady, blitz him from every angle, come up with looks that that he's never seen before. He's seen everything. So good luck with that, Dan yeah. Quinn. But you almost have to come up with Gotta a new approach. A little, yeah. some, new, some new wrinkle that's going to make us say, what the hell are the Cowboys doing here? Some innovation almost. Something that will confuse him just long enough so you can get to him and he does what we saw him do in the NFC Championship, throw it up for grabs right, right. in order to avoid getting hit. That's what you want to force him to do. Throw it up for grabs, throw it up for grabs, and throw it up for grabs again. That's where that break is going to come from. That's how you engineer that break. And you know what? If taking that chance results in a quick seven, they probably were going to score anyway. So keep taking the chances. You're you're either going to die slowly or you're going to die quickly. But your only chance to be the one who doesn't die is to move fast and to get after him.
0: And if it works, great. If it doesn't, you're going to be in the same spot you would have been in anyway. I I mean, I I hear you to a degree. I don't think it's the type of game where I look at it and go, well, maybe if the Dallas Cowboys just play it conservative on the defensive side of the ball, right? Don't let up a lot of big plays. Maybe they can run the football and chew up some clock and keep breaking. I don't think that's happening. I mean, again, the Buccaneers, what were they best at last year? Stopping the run. They're the best team in all of football last year stopping the run. So even with a healthy Zach Morton, I'd have a hard time thinking Zeke and company, we're just going to dominate the, the line of scrimmage and the clock and keep Brady and the offense off the field. I have a hard time thinking that's going to happen. So, yeah, I mean, I think you might go on both sides there, Mike. I mean, yeah, they're going to have to rely maybe on them. Little trickeration or some game plan things that the Bucks are are not in you know any way shape or form ready for on both sides of the ball, and it does go back to the pressure. You just got to be able to be picky about your pressure spots with Brady. You're right; he's seen every defense. But we saw last year all of his negative plays became against pressure. Now what they figured out was let's limit those plays. Let's keep extra blockers in, like we've talked, and they're smart in doing that too. But also what I add to it was go, Brady's going to be better in the offense against the Blitz this year, too. Let's not, like, overlook that. He's going to have a better feel of, like, wait, oh, they're bringing this Blitz. I should go with the ball here. I should change this guy's route. He's going to be a different machine, too, to where I don't think we'll see as many issues with the Blitz this year either. And that's another, you know, not happy spot for the Dallas Cowboys in their defense. You mentioned Mike Evans' comments from over the weekend. Let's have a
2: listen to and then react to what Evans had to say. When he was asked about his connection in year two with Brady, that's when he moved toward the broader observation you mentioned. Here's Mike Evans.
0: I mean, we're miles ahead of where we were last year. Uh, Not just me and his connection, but the whole team, the whole offense. I mean, it's really exciting, and uh, hopefully, hopefully we can do something really special this year. We got that rapport with, with Tom now. Um, we're trying to mix in the no huddle you know, here and there. Um, everybody's on the same page. And last year, we felt like we left a lot out there, a lot. Uh, with the guys that we have on this team, we shouldn't be doing that. The, the games could have been a little bit easier last year for us, uh, we felt like. And uh, you know, hopefully this year, we get to show out.
2: Oh, that is not good news for the rest of the league. And throwing in the no huddle from time to time, that's when things could get very interesting for that Tampa Bay offense as the 44-year-old quarterback hits overdrive and tries to get down the field quickly. And it may just be that Dallas' only chance is try to match them point for point. And we were talking about this in some other context recently. Just try to break serve once or twice. Right. Try to get we're to talking Brady about Alabama once Alabama Nick
0: Saban, I think we were bringing yeah. it up, right? Yeah. But,
2: but try, just try to, try to slow them down uh, once or twice – and and hope that your offense can deliver and that, that you can end up... And I'll take 38-35. Sure. I love 38-35. Sure. I love that much more than 13-10, especially to start the season. Remember the game last year between the Chiefs and the Texans was kind of sluggish and ugly and slow. Go, I'll take a shootout any
0: day of the week, Chris. Yeah. I, listen, I would too. That would be a lot of fun to see. Uh, no question. I, I just, I just... I guess I'm not sold on the fact that Dallas will be ready for a shootout. I know they will be maybe, like you said earlier, week five, week six. You know, yes, we got some time together. Prescott's healthy. He's gotten to play a little bit. But, man, this is going to be, you know, a whole different animal as far as, like, trying to hit the ground running and being able to – you know, really orchestrate offense, be detailed all over those type of things week one against Tampa, as talented as they are, it's going to be crazy out there. I just, that's where it is going to be interesting to see. Can Dak Prescott really come back right off the bat, you know, without playing for nine, 10 months and just like just tear this defense apart? I, I don't know. I got to see it to believe it to a degree. I, I'm sure they'll make a few plays, but can they consistently do it throughout the game? Man, I just have a hard time thinking that was the way the Buccaneers' defense looked at the end of the year. If we were to do a full roster tale of the tape, advantage Bucks,
2: advantage Cowboys, is there any area that you would look at the Cowboys and say
0: they're better than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Any area at all? I mean... I guess if you maybe we could get into receiver, but it's not like it's close, right? I mean, I I don't know. Yeah, you're right. I don't know if I would take them, but I just you know get Godwin and Evans or C.D. Lamb and and Cooper and maybe the rest of the group. I don't know, but it's like if you do give the advantage to the Cowboys, it's barely right, Mike. I mean, barely. And I think some people would go, no, I'd rather have the Bucks personnel. So yeah, that's another thing. I mean, there's. There's nothing there to go, "Oh, wait, that one spot on the Cowboys. Oh, they got that D-line." Oh, no, they don't. You know, who is that guy on their defensive line that can get after Brady without having to blitz or do that? I mean, I think you bring up a, a great point. They're just they're not in the same class of them right now. And I think at receiver, the Buccaneers are so stunningly deep. Yes.
2: It goes Evans to Godwin to Antonio Brown, Scotty Miller, Tyler Johnson who had that incredible catch. Came in out of shape, got himself into shape. They, uh, and, and then you've you've got you've still got O.J. Howard, Cameron Brayton, Rob Gronkowski
0: at tight end. It's insane. It's obscene. I know. I know. Yeah, it is. They, they got weapons galore. They really do. Weapons galore to go with an offensive line who can really push any defensive line in football back for the most part. I mean, we saw them just physically impose their will on teams in the playoffs, and of course in the Super Bowl, where Mike, you and I had talked about it. It wasn't like they were running any special plays where I was like, whoa, that was great run design. I mean, they got to the point where they were like, wait, we're going to protect Brady, and he's going to throw a laser, and you can't stop it, and then we're going to just run this run play where all our guys just go straight, and you guys are going to go straight back, and then Leonard Fournette's just going to go where he wants, and he did that throughout the playoffs. So. That's where they're scary, and then that's where you look at the Cowboys where I go, hey, Van Der Esch and Micah per- Parsons, that's great. They look like they're going to be a, a really talented duo. But it goes back to the old thing we always say. It's just, Is there anybody on that D-line that can do anything special? And we haven't seen that from Demarcus Lawrence. You know, I hope he can get back to that form, but there's just a, that no-difference-making playmaker in the front four of the Cowboys that pops out to me right now to think that, oh, they could strip sack fumble or cause a few plays, you know, for mishaps for the Buccaneers to maybe win the game that way. Uh, it's just it's it's a, it's a really damn well-built team by Jason Light and company down in Tampa. And when you consider... All the
2: weapons they have. We mentioned the receivers. We mentioned the three tight ends at running back. You mentioned Leonard Fournette. They have Ronald Jones as the lead dog in that attack. And then Gio Bernard comes in as the third down option, one of the only upgrades they made. They held firm across the board and upgraded with a third down back who will be better than what they had last year when it was either LaShawn McCoy or Leonard Fournette. Here's one thing. When you consider all those names... And you got Chris Goblin in a contract year, Antonio Brown on a one-year deal, other guys trying to muscle their way in. You will never hear. It won't even hit the radar screen, this whole idea of, well, you know, there's only one football. Well, you know, you got to keep everybody happy. Yeah, right. And this gets back to – this gets back to – this is a prime example. For the folks out there that say wins don't matter for quarterbacks, and I say, yes, they do, not in the traditional classic way. They matter in the way that if you have a Tom Brady – and you have all those weapons, it's never even anywhere close to the table that you're going to have a problem with guys popping off about wanting the ball more, pouting on the sidelines because they didn't get the ball thrown their way, sulking on the bench because Tom Brady won't have it. And that's one of the things that he brings to your team that – most of the other quarterbacks, they just can't do it. He commands with a look, with a word, with a glance, with a gesture. That's never going to happen. You you check your ego and your individual ambition right. at the door right. when you're playing for the Buccaneers. And it's easy to say it. It's much harder to do it. With,
0: but with Brady around, it's it's not even a thought, Chris. No, no, it's 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 like a great quarterback thing, and I think it's a great point you bring up. Really, it is. It goes all it goes all into the things you talked about his leadership, his self you know, his selflessness, the fact that he never shows like an ego or hey, make it about me. You're right, he's going to hold people accountable regardless of the situation. And then ultimately too, where they trust him is he doesn't play favorites. He doesn't. He goes where the defense tells him to go. He doesn't go like, well, I just like this guy, so I'm going to throw to him no matter what. That's when like weapons get frustrated. That's when they start to go. Wait, what the hell? That guy was covered, and you threw it to him, and the look said to go to me. I'm not covered. Why did you do that? Brady doesn't. He doesn't play those games. You know, none of the the great ones do. It's like no, no, no. The defense, the play itself brought me to this guy, and that's why I'm throwing to him. And that's where, like, weapons can, you know, digest the fact of, wait, I'm not getting the ball all the time. But it's not like he's calling plays just to go to this guy or audible in just to get the ball to this guy. He's going there because that's what the football moves are telling him to go. And I I think that is a very real aspect, Mike. That's something that jumps out to me for sure on the offensive side of the ball. And I expect them to hit the ground and be just absolutely executing at a really high level. And here's the other thing that just jumps out to me about the defense while you got me talking about the, this team in general. You know, yeah, they kept the same team. And the crazy thing is, is like kept the same team but got a lot of young guys who are like just won the Super Bowl and not hit, it, have not hit their prime. They're, they're just going to get better. They really are. I mean, really, you know, Devin White. He hasn't hit the prime yet. He, yeah, he, my best. He, I think he's the best linebacker in football. But yeah, he's not as good as he could be. Antoine Winfield's going to be a year better. Antoine Winfield Jr. Carlton Davis, who's an island mono mono lockdown corner, he's going to be a year better. The kid Demps at thirty five, the other corner. Same type of thing. They got these phenomenal specimens who have been kind of raw and learning their way the last two or three years on that defense too, let alone Vita Veya, excuse me. He's not. You haven't even seen the best of him yet. I think that's what's scary when you just go, wait, they got all this talent and then they got a bunch of young guys who haven't even peaked yet. And if they peak, that's where it just goes. You go to the NFC and you go, who's really on the Bucks level through the roster-wise? Uh, it's hard to come up with many teams that are on their level in, in the NFC. Sorry, I'm You mentioned
2: Carlton so Davis. Yeah. No, 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 it's good. Yeah. You mentioned Carlton Davis. He spoke to reporters over the weekend, and it was funny because a lot of teams will send out a transcript of everything the guy says. The Buccaneers left out one thing that Carlton Davis said, and what he said was, hey, I'm second to none when it comes to right. cornerbacks. and right. They're trying to avoid any of that stuff, but he also explained, and they did send out this part, what it's like to practice against Evans and Godwin and Brown and Miller and all their receivers. They all have different skills. It makes you better. He's in a contract year. Dealing with the Buccaneers' offense in practice makes him better, and he's in a position now almost like, like Josh Norman – was just kind of hanging around for a few years and all of a sudden 2015 hey Josh Norman's a pro bowler and an all-pro right right. and he did it right on time to get the franchise tag that the Panthers eventually rescinded he got a big contract in Washington but Carlton Davis could be a story like that this year where he goes from guy that we really don't talk about to oh he's one of the best cornerbacks in all of football and he's trying to to promote himself a little bit he basically said the media decides who they like and who they don't and who they're going to promote so I'm going to promote me. And he started that process, and I'm glad you mentioned him because, yeah, he's he's going to be better the more he faces all of those guys in practice. Then it becomes easier when it's time to go in a game, and the guy that you're across from isn't as good as the guys that you see all the time. So, hey, I, look, it's I don't want to feel like this is just... All a prelude to giving Tom Brady another trophy. If it is so, be it. I want to think other teams have a chance. I think
0: the teams that have a chance are teams in the AFC. Yeah, not teams I, in the yeah, NFC. I'm with you. I mean, yeah. I think you know. Yes, if you made a, if we had to make a list, I think right now probably the yeah the teams we looked that could best dethrone the Buccaneers. Yeah, I think a lot of them are in the AFC. No question. I mean, hey, the 49ers, the roster, it's up there. It just we've got to kind of see it, the quarterback situation. How's that going to play out? We know Green Bay is going to be there, but it's it's going to be the same old story, everybody. I mean, it's going to be one guy making us think a team is way better than it really is. I mean, it's, sorry. That's just the way it is. It's going to be on one guy. You know, come on. We've seen the team fail two years in a row. The team, not the quarterback, the team gets steamrolled in the NFC Championship game to a degree. You know, so that that that's where I just go, all right. And then after that, who are we talking about? The Rams, hopefully they could stay healthy, but we got to see Matt Stafford and how that's going to look. They have that type of talent to compete. You know, the Saints would be another team I'd go Saints. watch Swept out them for, last right? Year. I know. Swept them last year. Right. And you got Jameis, and they still got a real good offensive, defensive line to where don't sleep on the Saints. If this thing works out the right way with Jameis, I wouldn't be shocked if they're sitting there, in the final four, final eight when it comes to January because the team is just too good and that's too damn good of a coach. So uh, it is going to be interesting to see what happens with, with this year and the Bucks because they do look damn good. The way that the schedule
2: was put together this year, and because the Buccaneers didn't win their division last year, they don't play the Packers this year in the regular season. Right. They don't play, I believe, uh, the 49ers. The only team from the NFC West they play is the Rams. So no Seahawks, no 49ers as a measuring stick. The Rams week three, early in the process. Great game week three, a week before the Patriots game. Washington is another team that I keep an eye on. Sure. As it relates to the Bucks because they've got they've got the,
0: the front the weapons four. up yeah. front yeah. on
2: defense to do what you need to do to disrupt Tom Brady. They may not have the offense to match whatever Brady puts together on a day when he can't put forty or thirty five points on the board, but I think Washington one of the teams that can maybe put the brakes on the Bucks offense a little bit.
0: Definitely, uh, you know it, that's
2: not a real tough. Look at that schedule. It's, that's, that's not, not pretty. row.
0: No, it's not. They have a few stretches here and there, but then they get after those stretches. You look at it and go, well, okay, that's pretty good there as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not a typical Super Bowl first place in your division type schedule, I guess, to what we're what we're used to seeing. You know, that that's where it's a little different. Now they got the AFC East, which we know is going to be pretty real. New England, Buffalo, and the Dolphins is going to be. I don't care, you know how good the Bucks are. Those are teams that physically have, you know, the the capabilities to hang in there with them as a football team. But man, more games than not, yeah, like you're saying, the Bucks are going to be the favorite football team certainly, uh, and uh, certainly the favorite in the NFC. Seven and five through the first twelve games last year, and
2: then came out of the bye week, a late bye week, four straight regular season wins. Four straight postseason wins, riding an eight-game winning streak into Thursday night. Okay, uh, at the other end of the spectrum, if we would put the Bucks at the top of the power rankings. By the way, the Week One PFT Power Rankings coming later today. Oh yeah, is really number one. Here we go, baby. The defending, the defending champion is always number one. Number thirty-two, without question, the Houston Texans. It's their twentieth season, and they feel like an expansion team all over again. And and this one. I'm surprised it even was news yesterday. David Culley, coach of the Texans, said Tyrod Taylor is going to start this weekend for the Texans. Well, who no else was crap. it going
0: to be? No crap. Yeah, it
2: wasn't going to, like, all of a sudden, hey, you know what? Deshaun Watson's playing Sunday. He hasn't even practiced more than a handful of times. There's been no mention, no discussion, no whisper of him all of a sudden starting. Of course it's Tyrod Taylor. It's amazing to me. and And, and what it tells me... When something like that makes news, that tells me there's a lot of people who get paid to follow this sport who
0: really aren't following this sport the way they should. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm with you. I, I mean, I was like, wait, this is news? Actually, I was more like, they didn't already do this? This is, hasn't been named or <laughs> talked about? Like, what? A, I, I, was, I even went over Deshaun Watson. I was like, I mean, obviously it's not Deshaun Watson. Were they trying to sell me that it might be Davis Mills? Is that what they were trying to sell me on? Like... Oh, that last preseason game where he threw three interceptions against the bucks We were thinking about it. We were thinking about it. We we're going to do that. Like, what? I yeah, i don't understand that either. I don't. Obviously, it's Tyrod Taylor. What took so long to even make that comment? I mean, it's, uh, yeah, a little weird. Uh, but, yeah, I'm with you. I'm not expecting a whole lot from the Houston Texans. We'll see where this goes. We will. Uh, it's still, like, one of the best drama series in, in the NFL history here with this Deshaun Watson case. But, yeah, obviously, T- Tyrod Taylor's a starter. That's the other side of this coin,
2: too. People have settled into this presumption that because he wasn't traded before last Tuesday when the rosters dropped to 53, he's just not going to be traded. That's, no, that's, no. It's still there. And, Chris, the thing we talked about, I've kind of poked around a little on that. Yeah. This idea, not that he's planning to do it, but there's some people who are kind of in the fringes of being in the know as to how the dynamics are operating between player and team. If Watson would do what we suggested last week and just show up and say, Hey, put me in coach. I'm ready to play. That really could put some pressure, some real yeah, pressure right. on the Texans to make it happen. Cause they don't want to play him. They don't want to get him injured and, and undermine that collection of draft picks. They hope to get either now or later. And they, they they're there. They have moved on from him to, as much as he has moved on from them. If all of a sudden he flips it around and says, I want to play for you, that is going to throw a huge wrench
0: into the plans that the Texans have. Uh, I mean, yes, uh, 100%. It just, the way it looks like like, like right now is that, you know, that not one, of course, you know, they're not, they don't want him to start, but I mean, two, it just looks like he doesn't want to start. You know, how how invested has he been in, trying to learn you know, the new offense and the nuances and things like that. You know, I don't think he's mentally in a place to where he's even at, 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 like at all invested into this football team. Get me ready. Get me ready. I'm I here. He you know, know what? Do what? I want to play. He could do it's it. It's football season. But I, football
2: players play I wonder football. if he's shown that. That's
0: what I'm saying. I wonder if he's shown that urgency to where they actually are a little scared to go, wait, like, wait, you know, Deshaun's really like on all the details of the offense here. And he started to chomp at the bit and really wants to play. You know, the, the, he's got to send those signals too at some point. And it goes both ways. I mean, you're right. It's a it's a it's a move he can make to put pressure on the situation. It just doesn't seem like he's willing to do that yet at this point. All
2: right, let's take a break. When we return another swing and a miss on a draft pick in Las Vegas. Who's to blame? And more importantly, who will ultimately get the blame? We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live.
0: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
1: Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or Mc Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day.
2: yesterday morning 10 46 a.m eastern came the news that the raiders are waving linebacker tanner muse then one hour and 14 minutes later the perils of the scheduled tweet noon labor day hey we're good to go tanner muse birthday let's go ahead locked and loaded happy birthday tanner muse oops that tweet by the way was quickly deleted by the las vegas raiders media team so no happy birthday for Mews, happy birthday, get the hell out of here. And then comes the tweet, if they were to do the things that other teams do, where they say, thank you for everything. That always drives me crazy. They cut the guy. And thank you for everything. Look, I think they got the news out there early on Monday in the hopes that someone would try to trade for him. They did that with Rodney Hudson. Remember, they were cutting Rodney Hudson. Oh, no, maybe we'll trade him. Even if you get a conditional seventh-round pick, it's still something. They got nothing. He was officially waived yesterday. Chris, third-round pick. Third-round pick. Never played in a regular season
0: game and gone. Third-round pick in 2020 out the door for the Raiders. Yeah, I mean, third-round pick, like, uh, you know, another disappointment, like, from Clemson as far as a draft pick, too. I mean, 2019. Got to get those Clemson and Alabama guys. Number four pick, Gotta Colin Farrell, em. like, right? I mean, yes, listen, there's been some questionable draft picks by the the, the Las Vegas Raiders the last few years, certainly. They've had some late-round and mid-round, like Max Crosby and Hunter Renfro, where you go, wow. But some of the top-end guys have been less than. And this certainly would be one of those guys. You know, I think everybody was shocked because it was like, oh, he's getting starter reps and things like that through training camp. Well, obviously Pump they were Yeah. Pump him up. Pump him up. Pump him up for but the obviously trade. they weren't happy because all we've been hearing from the Raiders over the last, you know, week or so was linebacker conversation. And then what do they do? They signed Denzel Perryman. Then they signed K.J. Wright. Obviously there was an issue there at the second level of the defense that they did not feel comfortable with there with Tanner Amuse. And they cut the cord and moved on. You know, I'll, I'll give them credit for that. The fact that, you know, a lot of the times with a third round pick, teams are stupid and stubborn and will hold on to the guy just because, hey, he was a third round pick and we're going to prove to everybody that this was okay and this was a good pick. And then there you are four years down the road and you're going, damn, that guy still hasn't done crap and he's taking the roster spot. At least they ripped the band aid off and moved on. Uh, I mean, I'll give them credit for that. But yeah, this is. Uh, You know, a a thing with the Raiders right now is just—it's hard to get a feel, Mike. You tell me if you agree with this. Like, really, what direction the Raiders are going in? You know, I—I—it's hard to get a feel for their team and exactly what the end-all, be-all vision is of their football team as we sit here. You know, going into the 2021 season.
2: Yeah, you're right. There's this sense that just kind of spinning their wheels in mud, and that if they try to focus on improving one area of the team, another area of the team Drops suffers off. for it. Yeah, and, right. And, and, look, I agree with you. I'm a firm believer in admitting your mistake when you make it. You compound it by doubling down. If the guy's just not working out, he's not working out. And it's in no one's best interest at that point to continue to force it just to justify the decision that you already made. You only make it worse. But... But it's happening too often, and uh, look, Paul Gunther was the scapegoat last year for the Raiders, the defensive coordinator, thrown out the door late in the regular season. There were rumblings that Mike Mayock was going to be gone. Uh, I think he's the scapegoat this year. John Gruden's running that show. You can give out whatever titles you want. John Gruden is running that show. John Gruden is making those calls. John Gruden is picking those players with input from Mayock. So if one of them goes not the right way, it's Mayock's fault. 100%. And, and, and even and even if it's Gruden, even if Gruden said, I want that Tanner Muse. I like, I, I like his style, or whatever, I wish I could do a good John Gruden. It seems like everybody except me can. <laughs> but even if it was Gruden, Mayock's the one who's going to be hung out to drive for it. Mayock is the one who's going to be gone after this season. Mayock recently said how important it is to get to the playoffs this year for him and for John Gruden. Far more important for Mayock than it is for John Gruden because Mark Davis isn't firing his buddy after this season.
0: But Mayock will be gone if they don't make it to the playoffs, I predict. Yeah, I, 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 I'm I, not going to disagree with you there. I, I mean, just hey, the way the things look, look you know, on the outside looking in, yeah. I, if things don't go well this year, I, that that's what I would envision happening too, that Mike Mayock would be out of there. Yeah, and he's in a tough spot. You're right. He is. There's a lot I respect about Mike Mayock. I think, he, of course, he's got great football intellect. He's got a good eye for talent. Man, I heard him for years and agreed with a lot of the things. But, yeah, at the end of the day, Gruden's making the call, and you don't know who's really winning those battles, you know, as far as if, if there is down between two guys. All we know to this point is you've had the and Farrells. You got Damon Arnett. You know, we got Abrams, who's been good, but not quite to the capacity that I think everybody thought he would coming out of Mississippi State at safety. He's been hurt. He's been a hothead. All those, all those, you know, little issues uh, there. That, it, 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 up, I, up, stopped I stopped it. I stopped it. Short. You got. I stopped short. I know. You got Alex Leatherwood, of course. This year, it's a first-round pick that a lot of people are going to have their eyes on. So they, they got some guys where you just go, wait. This is a big year. I mean, Henry Ruggs. I mean, so far, hey, look, how can you be happy with that from last year? He wasn't as good as CeeDee Lamb and Justin Jefferson. I know that. And he was picked before them. So there is a lot of, like, we got to see more from top-end picks at that Raiders organization if they want to be better and if they want to save Gruden and, and Mayock's job.
2: Hey, let me tell you this. I don't know very much about scouting talent coming out of college, but I would never be the first team to draft a receiver in any given draft. You because that first guy, for the most part, it's a tough it's a tough mantle to carry into the NFL, especially with so many great receivers. Now, it's one thing if it's just a Larry Fitzgerald or a Calvin Johnson in a given year. Now there's so many. I'm not I'm not the first one in the pool drafting receivers we saw Henry Ruggs much better production after him and this year with Jamar Chase there's a chance there's going to be much better production after him I just think given the dynamics of the receiver position nowadays yeah that's a risk
0: you don't want to take yeah no I, I you're it's a good point you're right it is and yeah, they need these players to come through uh, that, that's the only way to say it you know new offensive line you know offensively you can look at it and go Wait, I can get behind that. They seem like they're going in the right direction. Defensively, it's still like, hey, wait, we're in year four here, and we're still kind of building that side of the ball. It's just like ever since they couldn't re-sign Khalil Mack, it's like they haven't been able to find their way on that side of the ball. It's just underwhelming defensive line, You know, no difference makers there. You know, Second level, I mean, it's been two, three years in a row where we're talking about trying to get linebackers in there. Corners of young talent where you're kind of just waiting for like, wait, come on, just be a little bit better and we'll be a lot better on defense. There's talent there. They just got to like get polish and and not make some, some many big mistakes and big moments. But yeah, the defensive side is what's concerning. Uh, and especially as we know in the AFC, it's extra concerning because there's so many good offenses and so many good quarterbacks, not only in their, old, in their division, but the whole conference. And that's where it just doesn't seem to, to set up well for the Raiders. You mentioned the offensive line, significant turnover there,
2: and we're in the phase of the pre-regular season where teams are naming their captains, at least the teams that have permanent full season captains. Some teams will go week by week. Some teams, most teams, will elect their captains. Players vote on them. Some teams have as few as three. The Steelers have three. Some teams have as many as eight. Let's hear from John Gruden as it relates to his process, what he's looking for. In the seven team captains that the Raiders have for 2021, John Sides and Gawkway, Waller,
0: Jacobs. Who else were named team captains? Uh, Richie Incognito, Derek Carr, Alec Ingold, Max Crosby. Got seven captains. One on special teams. We had a triple tie on offense and I wasn't in the mood to tell Richie Incognito he didn't get selected. But it's pretty cool, you know. The players still look up to him so much, and, uh, you know, Jacobs and Ingold for them to uh, take this step in their careers. You've already documented what Max and uh, Waller have been through uh, to to make this, you know, transition to success, smashing success, uh, as a captain in the National Football League is quite a story.
2: Yeah, they've got... Derek Carr, Josh Jacobs, Darren Waller, and Richie Incognito—they got four offensive captains. And it sounds like Derek Carr. It sounds like they were looking for two, maybe three at the most. Derek Carr, first place, I presume, and then Waller, Jacobs, and Incognito tying beyond that. And sounds Chris, like this it. is this is the kiss of death. Last year, the Raiders had five captains. Four of them are gone.
0: So I don't know that I want to be a Raiders captain. (laughs) Seriously, yeah, I mean, seven captains is a lot. uh, Either way, I mean, I, I feel like teams that I played on throughout my career, three or four was about the max. You know, one from defense, one from offense, one from special teams, and you know, maybe just an extra guy who also got a whole lot of votes. You know, I think the one that's going to catch everybody by surprise, or at least the thing that people were surprised by, it was Richie Incognito, right? I mean, that's where everybody's like, what? How can he be a team captain with his, you know, checkered past and all that history he has there? Yeah, I, I understand that. I get it. He's not like your model citizen for sure. But as far as the NFL is concerned, there's a lot of things that I think like Gruden, you see how he smirked when he talked about Richie Incognito. You know, for a lot of these coaches, he is exactly – what they want from a team captain. And that's where, hey, football and real life don't always mesh well together. Because, yeah, you might not want him to be babysitting your kids out in the real world, Richie Incognito. But in an NFL locker room, he's going to get more out of guys and be a leader the way the team and the coaches want. And that's where, you know, society and football don't always uh, match up together. He
2: has, to his credit avoided any off-field issues for a while now and he's got issues that he's gotten taken care of but it's that rough and tumble smack you in the mouth mindset that coaches want especially from offensive linemen in today's NFL as the game skews toward that focus on health and safety there's still a battle in the trenches every play and if you're the one who's the aggressor who can put that defensive lineman on his heels and keep him from disrupting what you're trying to do with your offensive execution between the quarterback the running backs the receivers the tight ends you're better off so uh it it is amazing it's been eight years since the thing with jonathan martin jonathan martin long gone from the nfl richie incognito still going there's value there there's talent there and you're right it's a certain kind let me ask you this yeah because i think i think for me, four or five captains is the most I would want. It does get diluted more than five, but in a locker room, what does it mean? What what, what for a guy who's a captain? How is it different? What does he do to
0: to earn his his little? C patch on his jersey well it just you know first off once you get named the captain you're kind of looked at as like hey listen this is one of the more valued people of the organization the coaches the players they're behind him and it usually means that yes he did the right things to earn that as far as you know day-to-day work ethic being the first there you know last one out holding himself accountable with other guys just showing that true professionalism being able to lead people And like you talked about, like with Richie Incognito, that's where, you know, that's where he, like you, offensive linemen, you've heard me say this, you know, as a whole are more like cows in the corner. They're going to graze on the grass. They're not going to move a whole lot until somebody gets out there with a big hot poker and all of a sudden, okay, we got to go. Richie Incognito's a a big hot poker. That's what he is. Defensive linemen are ornery bulls that are just all the time. So you need that guy on the offensive line who's going to be mean, like, hold the other guys in the offensive line accountable when he feels like they're not practicing or being physical enough. You know, he's going to play to the whistle all the time. You know, I think it's just those guys. The captain means he's the guy that is all in on football, his life, everything. That's all he's about all the time. And that's the example you want for the rest of your locker room. But let's
2: remember this. Yeah. And, and, and there are two different wrinkles here that I want to address first the captains are voted on by the players, so it may ultimately be a popularity contest in some situations. But second, second, the coach is the one who counts the votes. Exactly. And <laughs> so, oh yeah, the players voted, and and uh, here are the captains that the players elected. I remember, and this has been eight years ago as well, when Josh Freeman, quarterback in Tampa, was not a captain, and it was a very stunning development. Right. How could well? He was having issues with Greg Schiano, and I remember being very suspicious sure. that the guy who counted the votes was the one who uh, maybe tipped the scales away from Josh Freeman that year. Because even if the players wanted him, the coach didn't want him, and he was cut during that season. Um, but uh, yeah, but back to Incognito. Good for him that he's still going strong. Yep, that he's. That he stayed out of trouble, but let's not forget that there is a certain very aggressive dynamic to being a successful NFL player, especially an offensive lineman, and to the extent that he can get others to get on board with that through his own unique and creative ways makes the offensive line better. And they need it this year with Big all time. the new offensive linemen yes. that they have. Yeah. All right, let's take a break. We haven't talked about the Patriots in a while. Whoa, let's... Let's talk about something that a former Patriot said over the weekend that, that set the internet ablaze that speaks to speculation or possible reality on one of the reasons why Cam Newton is no longer in New England. We'll do that next here on Pro Football Talk Live.
0: I got some inside sources now. And I won't say names, (laughs) but from what I... Mr. ESPN. From what
2: I gained, no, inside sources in the actual building, from everything that I understand now, Mac was basically helping Cam learn the playbook. So imagine that. Learn that. Learn that. Learn that right now. Absorb it. Learn it. Because Mac was having less Emmys... Mental errors. That's what an Emmy is in football. Mental errors. He was having less mental errors in having a better it's understanding second, of the offense. String.
0: We didn't see Cam run any two-minute. We didn't see him run any no-huddle. He was the first team. You have oh. to run no-huddle. That's vital. Oh, Not bless really. you. Thank you.
2: Bless you. Don't it on. Yeah, no, you're good. Yeah. Rob Nikovich maybe saying some things that Folks in the organization would prefer that he not say publicly. You know, usually it's the steel trap. The truth never gets out of one Patriot place. And here you've got Rob Nankovich, a valued member. Bill Belichick has raved about him in the past as what he brought to the team. He's talking to somebody in that building, and they're saying that Mac Jones was teaching Cam Newton the playbook. Some other people that I know around the league looked at that, and they're like, I don't buy it. Cam Newton was there last year. Cam Newton knows the playbook. It's not an issue of knowing the playbook; it's an issue of executing the playbook the way that they want it to be executed. And it just it, it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Sure. Uh, yeah, here's this kid who was just came came out of Alabama. This guy's been in the NFL ten years. He knows how to run NFL offenses. There was just you know a, a an element to it that that made people say, "I don't know that I buy this." But the fact that Ninkovich valued member of the Patriot family, right. said it, and said people inside the organization are telling him this. I don't think he's lying about that. It it That's why I wrote about it on, I saw it on Saturday or Sunday, and I thought, you know, if this was anybody else, I, I wouldn't think twice about it, but it's Rob Nikovich, who's clearly part of the family, and he's he's probably talking about family business in places that he shouldn't.
0: Well yeah, probably you're right. I mean yeah Rob of course yes he's can be connected to, to people in that coaching you know orga- or that coaching uh, staff there in that organization with the Patriots uh, uh, like to say he knows the playbook better, uh, yeah, I can't sit there and just get behind that you know but like you can watch the film and understand that there were certain parts of the asp- uh, certain parts of the offense. And aspects of the offense where you saw that Mac Jones was clearly more comfortable than Cam Newton. We talked about this last week. You know, not to say that Cam didn't know these parts of the offense and couldn't, you know, orchestrate good offensive drives, but Mac Jones is better in the empty, the no huddle, the four and five wide sets. Yeah, that's what he came from in Alabama. He ran that offense a lot and was taught like a pro there. So he came to New England. With a lot of the same, you know, plays and system in place to where, yeah, it's like riding a bike. Cam Newton's been asked to play a different style of football his whole career. That's why when he came in, it was a little bit of a different offense. You know, Cam Newton, yes, he's not going to go to, like, the Hall of Fame for his ability necessarily to read defenses and get through the reads, you know, quicker than anybody in football. No, he's not Tom Brady or Peyton Manning from that aspect. Where, where Cam Newton was amazing and where he can do things that other quarterbacks couldn't is you go, wait, we can design this play and our guy will stand in the pocket and he'll you know be fearless there and we can have a guy going on a post-corner route 45, 50 yards down the field and he'll throw a laser. And other guys can't do that. Everybody has their strengths and weaknesses. And yeah, Mac Jones, I think you know for his fit in New England like we talked about last week, yeah, Cam brought things to the run game but Mac allowed them to open up the rest of the Tom Brady playbook where they're very comfortable in that. And I think that's more what Rob is trying to, to make the point of there.
2: And and maybe there's a lot more nuance to it because I remember last year at this time reporting that Josh McDaniels had dusted off the Tim Tebow playbook that right. he had crafted in 2010. He was fired before he ever could actually use it. They, they used it after he was gone in Denver to work Tim Tebow into the offense. So it it shouldn't be all that crazy then to think that to the extent that they set aside parts of the normal playbook in New England last year, crafted a playbook specifically suited to Cam Newton's skills and abilities, and now they're bringing in elements that they didn't use last year, Right. and Mac Jones possibly is picking up on some of them exactly. and helping Cam. That's, I mean, it. That, that, that's that's far more nuanced yes. than rookie teaching it playbook. Right, right. There, there may have been elements of the playbook that they reintroduced this year in what would be year two for Cam Newton. Yes, they're they're letting him learn it in time. I mean, he's you know, Tom Brady. One of the reasons he was so great, he was there twenty years. You 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 get to the point where you know the offense inside and out. It takes some time. You've talked about how difficult it is. So, I, I think that that Nikovich was probably, if anything, inartful in how he communicated it because my guess is this is more along the lines of reintroducing elements of the playbook that cam didn't have access to last year and that maybe he and mac were working together to figure it out i don't know that yeah. that's no, I that's, that's just kind of my yes. my way to to make it make sense and not make it make make it seem so glaring and like well this just seems
0: odd well yeah i wouldn't know the playbook the way right the way it's said is got the way it's said is like it's it's you know uh, it, it comes out as a hair disrespect to the Cam Newton. Like, hey, this rookie had to teach him the playbook. He didn't know the formations. And look, the rookie's teaching him. Like, that's, that's not what was going on. That's not cool. No, that's not. You're right. I think it's more along the lines of, wait, Mac is really comfortable and thrives in these settings that we don't really think Cam thrives in. There's other things that, of course, Cam can do, part of the playbook, where we would go, wait. Cam thrives there, and Mac Jones does not. And I think that's kind of what Nikonvich was trying to say, I mean, more more or less, that... Yeah, there were certain parts of the offense, yeah, that certainly fit Mac Jones that they were introducing because they went, wait, this makes sense for Mac Jones, like you're talking about, Mike. And Cam, we didn't do a lot of this with him last year, so he's learning it just like the rookie is, and this is not necessarily his bread and butter, these type of things, to where it's the thing he's best known for. No, we know. We saw years and years of Cam. He was the best in, you know, shotgun, play action. You know, move the pocket, set up, twenty yard laser, fifty yard post. You know, here's here's two or three guys out in a route and you're gonna make a high level throw or then you're gonna run. That's the way Cam Newton's played. Yes, we never thought he was Drew Brees or Peyton Manning being surgical that way. That's not his style of football, and yeah, it's uh, it's more of Mac Jones style of football, is what we're saying.
2: Lesson learned from Rob Nikovich as he pivots toward a media career, you really do have to weave that nuance into your point i know that it's tempting to seize on the thing that's going to create a ton of attention and in that regard mission accomplished but he also picked up a ton of scrutiny and some people say hey it's worth it i just want to move the needle I don't think that former players are generally looking to jump into the media and create as many controversies as they can and get themselves in a situation where they're polarizing. That's where the nuance maybe comes into play. And, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of nuance from the Patriots a couple of weeks ago. You and I both are a little bit miffed at ourselves for not seeing the Cam Newton release coming. But we are only two weeks removed from both Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels saying Cam Newton is the starter. Now, if right. you go back and look at their words, there was a little bit of the door is cracked for someone else to take that title. But he was the starter. He went from starting quarterback to out the door in a week. and Crazy. Uh, it, 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 it really still is a week after the fact, a stunning turn of events. Today, Bill Belichick was on WEEI. This was just within the past hour or so. He said, I have nothing but positive thoughts and feelings for Cam. He came in here. He worked hard. He gave us everything he had. Right now, our future is going to be Mac at quarterback, and that is where we're going to go. Um, So uh, yeah, that's as as elaborate and loquacious as Bill Belichick is ever going to be on a topic.
0: Yeah. uh, No, uh, he's not going to get much more as far as that's concerned. I think there was real respect – and appreciation for Cam Newton in that New England organization. For the energy, the work ethic he had day in, day out. I think ultimately, hey, what came about was, you know, yeah. There was a crack in the door that got pushed pretty wide open for a human to walk through now. And his name was Mac Jones. And he seized that opportunity and went on fire at Giants practice. And then had one more preseason game to go, wait. You know, this is three in a row now. I'm damn good, and I can I can do some of these Brady offensive type of things, and I'm not overwhelmed, and I think New England just went, okay. I mean, damn, let's just rip the Band-Aid off. Let's go. It's time to go. Let's not dip the toe in the water. Let's jump in. The Mac Jones era's here. He's ready. They'll manage him the right way, and then also within that, like we've always talked about, they're into framing their team. They don't want distraction, especially at the quarterback position, and have to hear that. So that's where they cut the cord on Cam Newton and we'll see where it goes for his career. But obviously it's all Mac. It's the Mac attack in New England. I talked to some folks around
2: the league across the weekend trying to figure out what's next for Cam. And currently the buzz is minimal i know jerry jones jerry jones was on radio on friday and he has a very colorful way of speaking and sometimes you have to trim through a lot of words to get to it but he was asked if he's spoken to bill belichick about cam newton and basically what jones says is i don't, I don't even talk to talk to anybody he's easy to evaluate yeah but we know what cam newton is at this point in his career and someone said to me look There are concerns about how banged up he is. And you can't use him like the Panthers used to because that's what got him banged up. You can't have him jumping over the the pile into the end zone. You can't have him running the ball. And the throwing just isn't what it it needs to be. It isn't what it used to be. Remember, he changed that throwing motion last year in Carolina. Had the foot injury before we could ever really scrutinize how the shoulder surgery affected the throwing motion. But there are concerns about...
0: His, his overall throwing, accuracy, motion, et cetera. Yeah, well, two things that jump out to me there. It's, you know, when people brought up Dallas right off the bat, I just went, whoa, well, wait. Dallas wants to run the Mac Jones type of offense. They want to spread the field and throw to the receivers. They're not going to, like, be ground and pound. They got, like, $150 million into the pass game. They're not going to be going, let's run the ball up the middle again. So we just, know. I mean, New England just released Cam Newton because, you know, part of that offense wasn't available to them. So that doesn't, that doesn't fit. And then the, the number one thing I will always go back to, Cam is a reps guy. He's not going to be the guy that's always going to make like, you feel comfortable as a backup all the time. Just like we saw last year. Hey, the first two weeks, man, he was throwing lasers all over the field. Bing, bang, boom. It's awesome. But then what? He gets COVID. He doesn't get you know, reps for a while. And it really took him a long time to find his stroke again throwing the football. There's some guys like that in football where, yeah, you need the reps to stay in the rhythm. We've seen that through Cam's career, where he's been good and then maybe he's a little banged up or something goes on, misses a game, and then he loses his rhythm as a thrower. Guys like, let's say Ryan Fitzpatrick, he doesn't need reps. Ryan Fitzpatrick can go come off the bench and throw, yeah, he might not throw A-plus missiles and lasers, but he's going to throw a lot of like b minus and you know b plus and b type throws that are at least going to get completed and move the offense and do those type of things. When Cam Newton necessarily doesn't get his reps or his off his game, we saw last year, he can just miss a lot of throws and make bad decisions and I think that's going to scare people too about, you know, Cam being a backup quarterback. And to your point, Mike, it's been a long time since he's put a lot of really good consistently good film on the on the you know, on the film. What the hell am I saying? You know, last year, yeah, it's all over the place. The year before that was the, we talked about the the lying of the foot injury the first few weeks and dealing with that. It didn't look good in those two games that he played in. The year before that, he ended the year playing with a hurt shoulder. He was toughening it up and sucking it up, but he didn't look good. He looked awesome in the first half of the year, but then that. So that's going to scare teams all together. I think when you put those all together, that's why it's minimal buzz like you and I are hearing about Cam Newton right now. Film on the film. Film on the film. Film at, <laughs> film at 11. What, how do I say that? What was I trying to say there? I, I don't I know.
2: have absolutely no idea. We may have to go to Lincoln Gradkowski for <laughs> an know interpretation on that what film on, on the one. film means. <laughs> uh, so um, – yeah, I, the the other concern, and you mentioned backup, backup. It's it's hard for teams to envision Cam Newton I as think, a backup. I think, yeah. And that's part of the problem as well. That's why I think his best play is stay in shape, get vaccinated so you don't have the five-day on-board process, and for other reasons that are far more important than having to wait five days to sign with a team, but wait for an injury and see if a team is willing to go next man up, or let's go get Cam Newton. The problem is, and this is the Colin Kaepernick stuff from the past few years, and you know maybe, maybe there is a preference for teams in a close case to say, we're just going to go next man up. We have somebody who knows our offense. We have somebody who does things the way that we do them. We really don't have time. It's like changing the tire on a moving car to get a new quarterback in here and get him up to speed. So, you know, maybe if it happens around the bye week or something like that. But bottom line is if he still wants to get back in, stay in shape, get vaccinated, wait for the call, and maybe a call will come. Maybe it won't. But we're a full week in. A full week in. And and teams had, you know, that quiet week no fourth preseason game roster cuts were done Sean McVay gave his coaches the weekend off people have had a chance to talk about it think about it deliberate it and there hasn't even Not been a pres- I don't know but yeah I I haven't heard a word no I haven't seen a report I haven't seen rumors the only things I've seen are people saying no there's been no discussion of anybody saying yes all right let's take a break one return We're going to look at the win totals projected for the four teams in what used to be the black and blue division, the NFC Central, now the NFC North, Packers, Lions, Bears, Vikings. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this.
1: Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework,